in the story, the fable, the frog in the kettle, a frog's being slowly boiled alive. The premise is that if a frog is put suddenly into boiling water, it will jump out. But if the frog is put in tepid water, which is then brought to a boil slowly, it will not perceive the danger (laughs) and will be cooked to death. And although we may not feel like we are literally being cooked to death, we also may not realize just how traumatic and broken we have become as a result of the pandemic that we've all been part of for the past year and a half. So we want to take some time during this series and have a family discussion about this. We want to, first of all, acknowledge that we are in a pot of water, so to speak. And then we want to discuss healthy ways to move forward. So I'm glad you've joined us and we're praying that we can all be open-handed to God's redemptive work. I uh, recently read an article from the Huffington Post. Now, I actually don't read the Huffington Post, but I was directed to it because it was an interesting uh, story, so I thought I would share it with you this morning. Anybody here read the Huffington Post? Oh, a few people. Okay. All right. Um, A man in Israel apparently doesn't want God to answer his prayers, so he filed a restraining order against the Almighty. The plaintiff, (laughs) I know, it's pretty funny, named uh, Shishan, appeared in a courtroom in Israel demanding that God stop interfering in his life. Shishan told the court that over the last three years, God had been very negative towards him, though court documents didn't give us any specific details. Uh, Shishan said that he's tried numerous times to obtain the restraining order through the police. And in response, about 10 times over the course of 36 months, uh, they came out to to visit him, but to no avail, God still kept messing with him, so this time he would try through the court system instead. And by the way, the court documents noted that God did not present himself at the hearing. The judge threw out Sushan's request, calling it absurd, and rightfully suggested Sushan should get help from someone other than law enforcement. Uh, And it was not immediately clear, it says, if God had an attorney. So, you know, this is a bit humorous, I know, but even borderline absurd, right? And there's not any of us here who probably ever do something like that. But it does highlight kind of a hard question that maybe those of us who follow Jesus do ask. How do I make sense of the hard times, the brokenness around me? How, How is it that I understand it when it seems like God's interfering in my life? What is God up to in this situation? Uh, Again, maybe this isn't even close to your story. Maybe these questions aren't close to your story, but we all ask them in some form or another at some time in our life. What does it mean? You know, not so much the bigger existential questions, but what does this mean, God? What am I to make of this that just happened? What are you up to? Or maybe even the opposite. uh, Why are you silent right now, God? My own story is laced with these low-level traumatic events that left me wondering, how can I be open-handed to God in this? I'm not really sure what to make of it. Let me just uh, reflect a little bit. During the first 17 years of full-time Christian ministry as a young adult, um, I taught people how to follow Jesus. That was what I did. Uh, And then without much notice, after 17 years, 
I was really thrust out of the safe world of Christian ministry into an entirely different situation. I went from uh, InterVarsity staff person to a pastor at a church to housekeeping and maintenance at a fitness gym. And I certainly was asking God, what are you up to? What's going on? On top of this, I had kind of uprooted my family from, uh, we call it the Midwest, but the prairies of the U.S., and the only place my children had ever lived. And I had just kind of plopped them down in the deep south of Georgia, a place they had only gone to like during the holidays and when we visited family. And at their age, I'm pretty sure they weren't asking these bigger questions about life and what does this mean, but I was watching them struggle, and I was asking the questions kind of for them. What are, you, what are you doing in the life of my kids? And, and what do you have in mind here for my wife? Now, I want to push pause just for a second in that first silly story, but also my story as well. And I want to insert these words of Jesus from John chapter 14, verse 27. This is Jesus talking. Peace I'll leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I remember on a few occasions stepping back and looking at my situation and thinking, you know, Lord, this doesn't feel like peace. Lord, I'm sorry, but my heart is troubled, and I am afraid right now. I don't know how to have peace. I need help just having faith right now. Well, we're in the second part of our series entitled The Upside of Brokenness. And one of the key challenges for us in the midst of the trauma, the confusion and the brokenness of all of the pandemic stuff that we're going through is we're asking God, what is it you want us to learn? How can I be open-handed to all of this? What is the upside of this, God? And so I want to dig a little bit deeper into this promise of Jesus about his peace and see what we can learn. So let's take a closer look. Uh, I think we have it on the screen, right, Sean? He's looking at me like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And the very first thing that I noticed there is that Jesus is leaving because he starts with, peace, I leave you. And we're not going to read all of this. This is in John chapter 14. But the context, the framing up of this is that, and it's near the end of John chapter 14, but he's been telling his disciples who have been following him for years now, a couple of years now, he's been telling them in both chapter 13 and now in chapter 14, I'm leaving. And they are really confused. You know, like uh, they've been following him all this time, and he's been for the last couple of days now been saying, I'm leaving. So they're like, uh, okay, so where are you going? You know, just let us know. Show us, you know, tell us where we're going, how to get there. We'll, we'll go with you. Wait, what? We can't go with you? Why can't we go with you? And it's kind of a head scratcher for them. You can tell that it is. And obviously, they're getting confused and possibly even anxious because Jesus tells them, I'm leaving you. 
And not only am I going to leave you alone, though, I'm not going to leave you alone, but I am going to leave you, and I'm going to leave you with the helper. And they're like, the helper? Now, we know that the helper, Jesus means, is the Holy Spirit. But they're really confused. Because the Holy Spirit is not something that they think of or or conceive as something that would be inside of them. And so, this is a really confusing time for them. Are, are you tracking with this? You understand where I'm going with this? And so in the midst of all of this news, all this change, I'm leaving you, but the, the Spirit will come, Jesus realizes, oh, they probably need to be reassured differently. And so he says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. And the peace Jesus is talking about is not the ending of hostilities from enemies, you know, like the war is over, right? But rather it's this gift of of calmness and confidence that comes from union with God and and faith in that God's in control, that, that God's purposes here is what I trust right now. Put differently, hard things are still going to come. Hard things in life will still happen. That's not being removed. But in the midst of all of this, you can have peace. And the world's idea of peace, just to make sure you juxtapose this, is something that comes when the war is over, when someone's waved the white flag, right? The peace. Hostilities have stopped. It's over. The peace Jesus gives, the peace Jesus is talking about right here, is grounded in God, not in circumstances. And we'll say that again because it's a really important key to get. The peace that Jesus gives is grounded in God, not in circumstances. And let me explain that just a little bit more and unpack that as I kind of go back and reflect on my own story when I was uprooted out of Christian ministry uh, after not knowing anything else for those 17 years. As I reflect back, as I think back about that time of my life, I have available to me what's called hindsight, right? You guys know the word, hindsight's 2020, right? In hindsight, I'm able to see how God was using those circumstances to shape me, to make me who I am today. I now understand some of the things that, that God did in the life of my kids and in the, in the, in the life of my wife, that, that when they were in this new environment, he had something in mind there. And we, as a family, as individuals also, we're different people because of what happened then. But (laughs) hindsight isn't available by the very nature of the word (laughs) at the time you need it, right? So how does that help me today? Right? Well, that's great, Ken, that you can look back. But how does that help today? How does that help in our current situation? Well, I believe that hindsight is a key building block of our faith. A word we see for this in Scripture is remember. In fact, that word or some form of that word is listed over 200 times in the Bible. Remember. Let me explain. As I look back on my life, as I look back, as you look back on your life, we can see God's hand in our life and those life circumstances. But in hindsight, as we remember, we can see that God was in control even though at the time we didn't understand it. In hindsight, I see that that God has always been the same. He's always been faithful. And if we will allow it, if we will be open-handed to it, 
to looking back, if we're open to that, it can add to our faith. And it will give us more faith in our current circumstance. Conversely, if we look back and we allow the hard times to deconstruct our faith, to cast doubt and unbelief uh, and, and to wonder if God is against us, can God be trusted? Uh, maybe, maybe it even takes us to a courtroom where we try to get God to just get out of our lives to restrain God, right? That's one route you can be tempted to take. And now I don't want you to misunderstand me here, okay? I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm suggesting. I'm not suggesting we can't ask things of God. We can't question what God's up to. I think we can. I think a, a healthy question of our faith allows our faith to be rebuilt in stronger and healthy ways. And God has demonstrated throughout the Bible that he can handle our tough questions. But what I am suggesting is that in our struggle to understand, let's not cast God aside. Let's hang on. Let's keep following. Allow the openness in your heart to believe that God is up to something good for you. That he is the creator. That he's in control. That he made all things. He sustains all things. He, he's God. And each time we have these experiences, it's an opportunity to build our faith. And it keeps stacking up and adding up and, until we are people of faith. That's faith. Christians have been wrestling with this, oh gosh, ever since Christ left the earth, I would imagine. Maybe one of the most notable doubters uh, someone I studied a couple of years back, about six years ago, was St. John of the Cross. He's a, a Christian mystic. And he wrote a famous book, Dark Night of the Soul. And he describes in this book, Dark Night, as an experience in which joys and comforts, and all of this are taken away from us. All the joys and the comforts of spirituality are taken away from us. And we experience this deep despair in our soul, like a darkness. And wisdom and maturity come when we press into the darkness, into faith, continuing to seek God, even though there's this absence of comfort and discover something richer and something deeper, something less dependent on the comforts. I, it's hard sometimes to understand what he means, but I think I get it. And as a community, we can do better acknowledging these things in our lives, the trauma and the pain. We can be more honest with each other. We can talk about the hard times because we know God has a tender heart. It's the tender heart that would leave the 99 just to find the one, right? That's the heart of God. That's Jesus saying, my peace, I leave with you. And we can do that with each other. In fact, if we don't make space for that kind of struggle, we do ourselves and the community that we're in a, a great disservice. We may even leave some people to think it's wrong for them to struggle. It's wrong that they're having a hard time right now because all the Christian life should be just always happy. And so as we move through this, and maybe hopefully soon to the other side of the pandemic, as we ask the question, what does this mean? Let's allow God to be God. And let's allow each other to be honest, even if we're not sure what's going on. Even... If we can't make sense of it, let's hear those words of Jesus. I'm bringing you a different kind of peace. It's not what you expect. It's not what everyone else around you 
is offering. It's not in this box. It's outside that box. And it satisfies. It really does. Uh, there's a book called uh, Bring Back Our Girls. I haven't read it. I just read an excerpt from it. There's two Wall Street journalists who wrote this book. And it's about survivors of the Boko Haram kidnapping in Nigeria. Maybe many of you remember that. Just a reminder, in 2014, nearly 300 girls were kidnapped from their school in Nigeria and taken deep into the jungle to be wives or whatever for these Boko Haram people. We know about it because of Twitter. <laughs> if social media hadn't told us about it, we probably wouldn't know. But social media did. Twitter told the world, and the world tried to help these 300 girls, but had no success. In fact, to this day, 100 of them are still not accounted for. But somehow in 2016, two years later, someone somehow negotiated the release of some of these. And so these Wall Street journalists uh, went to interview several of these girls and happened to discover something about faith in God they had never even heard of before. And so I read this article. These girls told the journalists that they did not even expect to live through this. In other words, we thought we were dead. In their minds, this was the end. And so they go on to say, we hung on to the community we had with each other, the, the girls together. You know, we have community here with each other. They kept diaries they managed to hide from their captors so that they would somehow be able to tell their stories. We have stories that we can tell each other, and we should be listening to each other. They at one point got separated and were no longer able to have uh, community with each other. And at some of them had their diaries found by their captors. But no matter how hard it got for them, they told these guys, we would not give up on God. We never gave up. We always had hope that no matter how this turned out, and remember, we thought we were dead, but we knew that God had something in mind here. We trusted God. Peace. I leave you, not as the world gives or even understands. What does it all mean? Well, maybe you're figuring this out by now. What I'm saying is this, is that we most likely will not always know or ever even know at the time what it means. Why are things so broken? Why is this so hard? God, what are you actually up to? And maybe that's not even the question we need to be asking in the first place. What does it all mean is, is, is maybe not the question. Maybe we need to be asking, God, how do I get through this? How can I, how can I have faith? How can I be open-handed? And although it's not wrong to ask the question, God, what are you up to? Jesus is inviting us to trust him. You may not understand but when you look back and you remember those other times, use your hindsight, remember, and have faith that God can be trusted in this. Don't let this break down your faith. Let it build up your faith. Now, take a deep breath and receive the peace of Jesus. I'll read it one last time. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts 
be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Amen.